This is Sammy Reinstein, and you're listening to Conversation Starters. On this show, we talk all about bringing conversations back to B2B marketing and selling. Because if there's one thing we know about doing business in the revenue era, it's that the best customer experience wins. Through the power of our own conversations with drifters, customers, and special guests, we'll learn how to deliver a sales and marketing experience that puts the buyer first. Let's get into it. Welcome, everyone, to season two of Conversation Starters. I'm so excited to be back with you, Sammy. It's been a few months, a lot's been going on, and I'm excited to cover it all and more this season. Yes, lots has been going on between season one and season two at Drift. We had a website relaunch. Yes, total rebrand. Total new rebrand. Colors, new fonts. While that was going on, we launched three new products, and we also had our first in-person event in over two years. Yeah, and those three products all came under our new platform name, the Conversation Cloud. Yes, so you could say there was, you know, a thing or two going on between season one and season two. While this podcast was not happening, we were keeping busy. Fear not, everyone. I promise we were still working. (laughs) Yes, but speaking of those launches, we I already mentioned Conversation Cloud, and Conversation Cloud includes conversational marketing service and conversational sales, but it's all powered by the underlying conversational AI. Yes, and conversational AI and artificial intelligence in general is something that some people are super familiar with, and for some people, it's a little bit of a fuzzy term. It can be somewhat of a black box. So I'm really excited for our first guest of Season 2, Lauren Creedon, and she is going to explain a little bit more about artificial intelligence how marketers can use it, how salespeople can use it, and how to move it from that black box to really understanding what it is and how you can use it. Yeah, you covered it all. So let's just dive right in. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're the first guest of season two. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you for having me. I was just at the customer advisory board getting to know some of our CMO customers and they were begging for more content to demystify AI. So here we are. We were talking earlier about the mission to take AI out of the black box, which has resonated pretty well. It's become a little rallying cry motto for our strategy at Drift. You know, it was stuck in that black box for a while and that was blocking trust, you know, between us and our customers. I could go on for quite a while about the black box. Yes, you have been a champion and just a leader in getting AI to market and (laughs) taking it out of the proverbial (laughs) black box. But before we got on this, Elizabeth and I were actually looking through your LinkedIn and we were just wildly impressed. We were just chatting about you for like 15 minutes before we got on. So for everyone who maybe hasn't connected with Lauren on LinkedIn, which you should, can you give us a little bit of background and what it is that you do at Drift? You're too kind. Thank you so much, LinkedIn. Oh my gosh, it's like a a little bit of a resume. But, you know, at Drift, I lead the AI product strategy. And if we get into the specifics of what that means, it's we, you know, we at Drift have a number of applications for marketing, sales, and service roles. And my group of teams identifies the problems that we're uniquely positioned to solve with AI and try to find solutions 
to layer onto our existing products in a way that makes someone's job easier, helps them hit a business outcome. So at Drift, the example would be chatbots. We have a Drift product to engage site visitors. And my team comes in and layers on a combo AI tool within chatbots that helps you answer a question better with AI or get them to the right outcome. So that's you know, an example of a product that would solve a user problem. And that's all on the product side, but a day in the life for me where I get have the most fun is split between engineering teams, go-to-market teams, and customers. And going back to that point about democratizing AI, I can't stress how important it is as a product person to spend more of your time with those customer teams and users. Because like, I've always been drawn to business challenges. I've already always been drawn to innovation. But when you stopped, I had the most success when you stopped having it be about the idea and having a great idea and innovating and having it more like focused on the problem, finding a really complex problem, finding ways to experiment to solve people's problems better. And so like I got into the AML space at my last company, Huddle, just because I was drawn toward the most complex problem. And I wanted to help people stop throwing things over the wall at each other between product and go to market and instead speak the same language or figure out how to simplify something and really focus because like, yes, there's the user problems, but there's also all of us trying to do our own job and figuring out how that whole system could come together to hit an outcome has always really drawn me to product. And so, you know, at Huddle, we we were a sports video software company. I like to share the stat that on Friday nights, we had so many high school football teams uploading video to Huddle that it was one third of the peak upload traffic of YouTube. It's one of those like really (laughs) crazy fun spaces to be in, but like really highly, like the the outcome really mattered. And then we, we started to build our first hardware product. So I got into that AML space working on that ML powered smart camera that meant tackling some pretty gnarly problems across ball tracking software, live streaming video applications or scaling video processing infrastructure, developing mobile apps to get the cameras self-installed on the wall by a user using an app. And so those types of problems drew me to the space. At at Drift, it's conversational AI powered by NLP, which is its own new set of hairy problems. And But yeah, to bring it home, for me, it's less about the solution and more the fun of diving in, looking at a complex problem. And with anything, half that problem comes back to communication, comes back to teams, and you know the, those complex problems, those turnaround projects, those untapped potential areas all come down to simplifying, focusing, and supercharging the team, like the whole team, to help understand the problem, help communicate about the problem, and feel empowered to do something about it. So something like AI is classic, like when it was just hand wavy, ooh, AI is magic, but nobody really knows what we're talking about. That was only a small little group of people that were empowered to do anything with that and, and users weren't even empowered to do anything about it. So if we talk about making something more human, talk about human type solutions and, and making our jobs all feel more human. I like to always come back to making the technology itself more approachable and simplified. Yeah. I think that's a great approach with anything really, especially with such a complex subject like automation. And I feel like we should have you come back at some point and do the ABCs of this space, <laughs> it was like ML, AI, and like a bunch of other things. And I think with that, AI can feel to some people scary. To some people, it can feel kind of fuzzy. I think it can take on sort of a world of its own and maybe Hollywood 
sort of has an impact in that and how they talk about artificial intelligence. But robots. In, yeah, <laughs> robots and, you know, things taking over and all of that. But can you give your best definition of what artificial intelligence means specifically in the sales and marketing space? Sure. Yeah. So let's start by talking about why you'd ever want to hire AI to do a job over a human in this space. Yeah. So you, you'd usually want a machine to do something that's either super mundane or super complex. And so mundane tasks like syncing data fields helps a human spend more time with other humans or complex functions like understanding language at scale or making predictions or aggregating themes lets humans focus on making the decisions or taking actions on those themes, the things that humans actually like to do and are better at. So, you know, as let's break it down a little bit more, those types of complex functions I talk about, I like to think about it in two sides. There's the language side when you hear NLP and NLU, natural language processing and understanding, and the structured data side, which is more like predictive modeling and doing stuff, fun stuff with math to help you make a prediction. But on the language side, you have what we do at Drift, which is conversational AI products, help you understand what people say. So you often think about voice activated devices like Alexa or those, you know, phone systems with the recognize your voice. But at Drift, we have a chatbot and you want to understand, like in this specific example, train a model to understand the ways your buyers ask about a topic and it can get better at recognizing other ways buyers could say that. And then let's get another specific example over on the structured data side. You might think about products that help you make predictions, something like a lead scoring product that's building a predictive model off a number of factors and then applying those factors back to new inputs to continue to learn. So to demystify what's going on with AI, ML, like on either side, I just think about the term machine learning. And a lot of people find that that's a more demystifying term because you, what you're doing with ML is teaching a software application to become more accurate at predicting something, whether it's mm-hmm. understanding what somebody said or the uh, the predictive outcome without that like explicit rules-based if-then programming, which right. scales scales a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have started to scratch the surface here, but a lot of what Drift is about is starting conversations and appealing to the human and other humans, right? We're not selling to just this corporate buttoned up business. We're selling to another human on the other line of that chat or email or video. And artificial intelligence is inherently not human. So can you help explain that dichotomy and how AI can appeal to that sort of human and start more conversations? Yeah, and I appreciate you calling that out. I think we've learned even from launching AI products that were a little bit more in a black box, that weren't as clear how it worked, that marketers resisted it a little bit as they should. If they didn't have control or visibility, it's hard to build trust. It's hard to put that AI out in the front lines with your customers when you don't know what it's going to say or don't feel like you can do something when you see a bad experience happen. It's really visceral when you see that. So while it's not human, I think any marketer could say those mundane tasks or those complex scaling problems of like helping buyers answer questions in the middle of the night, like there's problems you might want to solve that humans aren't ready to solve. And so if you can train AI to do that for you for a specific job that you need to get done and you have the control and visibility into that, then that's what where you start to unlock the things that are more human. So if you think about being a human as part of a B2B buying interaction, 
it's kind of like the consumer space has trained us to always want to feel like a human. And that means kind of being in the driver's seat, get what we need when we need it. Even if it's at night after hours, after we put the kids to bed and you want to just answer a question because you're still in your consideration stage, not a decision stage yet, you know, and you want to just answer a question. And so set a data point, <laughs> I think it's 83% of customers are willing to share that data willing to have conversations with uh, touch points or even before interacting with a human to enable future personalized experiences. And and I think what's critical about that is when we do, we now expect to get a better experience back. And if you're giving that company data or you're sharing what it is you're looking for in the form of a free text question on a website, you expect that like the company is going to then give you a personalized experience back, especially when we connect with a human. So in there's a couple different examples there of just serving up a question when somebody needs it in that one-on-one example, but then also saving that context and serving it back up to the humans on your team at the right point so that you can really have a customer-centric experience through the full life cycle, not just that first personalization in the email. Yeah. I think the key there and something that you've always been very aware of is that it is creating that more customer-centric experience. It is keeping the buyer in mind and trying to appeal to where they are. And it's a frustrating experience when you go somewhere and you're repeated something or they, I don't know, don't call you by your name, (laughs) right? (laughs) Uh, Just those little things. It it is appealing to the customer side and that customer centricity is really important. And speaking of customer centricity, you talked a little bit about the black box and how we wanted to build a little bit more of trust and we're trying to bring AI out of that black box. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean of bringing AI out of the black box? And we can get a little drifty here and talk about what that means at Drift. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think at first, let's just start with the language. So we've stopped talking about AI as a hand wavy magic and literally put the controls in the hands of our users to both train the model on what it needs to understand its buyer saying and how to respond in its brand voice and what's going to happen once it understands that topic. So I can talk about that product in our chatbots. I can also talk about the product, our insights product. But before I get too much into the product, it's also about stopping using complex terms that made it hard to understand, hard to sell, hard to like help solve customer problems with. We've oversimplified our language and we found that that all helps anybody do their job better when you understand what's going on under the hood, what specific job a customer is hiring AI to do for them and can measure and trust whether it's doing that job. So for example, our chatbots, we had an AI powered chatbot that was purely trained to handle the conversations unstructured on its own and the customer didn't have any visibility into what it was going to do next. They could submit how it would reply, but needed to trust the the bot to make a lot of those decisions on its own. And we found that just the right balance of one, hybridizing where and when customers want to speak in open text and marketers can provide a good experience back with open text helps marketers feel more in control of that experience and buyers actually kind of get it, get the experience that the marketer is looking to help them get. And then two, helping them decide what outcomes they want to direct people to so that they get to the right human on their team. So something as simple as uh, when somebody types a question in in free text, we can serve them up an answer because we've understood what they've said, but we can also give the marketer the tool to say, 
branch them actually over to this other team because this is a sales related question. They're high intent. I don't want to send them through a lead qualification flow because they just asked me a question about pricing. They're in decision stage. Let me connect them to a member of my sales team. Or if you're exploring a really in-depth technical question and you're already a customer, you don't, you also don't want to be sent down a lead qualification flow. Ask what your email is. You want to be treated like a customer knowing exactly where you are in the life cycle and cycle and be connected to your customer team. So we've given the tools to marketers to set what rules happen after we understand something and also given them the tools to kind of identify what themes are coming up, how buyers are actually asking questions so that your model gets smarter at responding to that. And you can add more of those signals to where your conversation paths would go. Yeah. And a lot of that trust building exercise, like you said, it was finding the language that they're speaking and connecting it back to their goals and their priorities. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important lesson in all really go-to-market strategies when you're introducing something new, building that trust and making sure that you're connecting to the WIFM, the what's in it for me, but also what's in it for their buyers and how you can create that experience. Well, trust us never works, you know, it's right. like, and at Drift, you know, we're, we lead with like, tell us what outcomes you want to measure by. We'll help you hit those outcomes. And our customer success reps are all like the whole customer engagement ties back to those outcomes and helping them hit that. And it's all about the data and, and the tools to to adjust along the way. And so AI has to fit into that too. It can't just be like, trust us. Because AI isn't better without that human input, without really learning the voice of your customer. We'd like to just help you get the data for the humans to make the decisions. Yeah. I'm just chuckling to myself thinking <laughs> of us going to AI and being like, automation, trust us. Speaking of those goals, Something that marketers are very obsessed with and salespeople is getting insights into how can I make this better? How can I optimize this? What language are my customers speaking? How can I speak their language? And something that automation provides is insights. Can you tell us a little bit more about how marketers can use those insights and action on them? Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about marketers day to day, they have a million data sources and there's a lot of sophisticated tools out there to help them use that data to provide a better buying experience, a better buyer journey. But one thing that's always been really hard to gather in aggregate is the voice of the customer in their own words. Um, there's a lot of noise and signals that marketers pick up forced to make assumptions about what customers want. Like, okay, they opened my email. They clicked on the link, their higher intent. But what if, you know, you're just somebody who's doing your own research about how somebody is marketing a company and you have no high intent at all. So often we see marketers assuming intent and what a customer is interested in. But what about what they've actually said in chat, in an email, in a meeting? That's where the real juicy insights are. How can AI help marketers understand their customers better? So as for those juicy insights I reference, like we like to call it exact intent rather than approximate intent. Um, so if you want to take action on the voice of the customer, 
understand what someone's saying and get them what they need. Like you can do that one-to-one in a chat conversation. You can also do it to understand aggregate themes across all conversations. And without AI, you need to read through those conversations or guess at keywords to search and then read them or wait for someone to forward you an email with a juicy quote and then extrapolate like all customers must feel this way. But with AI, it helps you be unbiased about things like what questions your buyers are actually asking the most and use those insights to deliver back better experience or help them get educated on what they're actually looking for, make decisions faster. And that can extend to the site experience or what help articles you need or any number of things through that buying journey. Ultimately, it's all about helping people make good decisions faster, um, helping customers solve that pain point. Yeah. And like you had mentioned, the bias can sort of creep in. We mentioned this a little earlier, Lauren and I were chatting ego can creep in a little bit. I know that sometimes I think I have an amazing idea and I've done this in Drift too. Like I think that this hook is going to work so great and then I launch it and the data tells me otherwise and Insight sort of helps you get ahead of that and it's telling you what your customers are saying and you can use that to appeal to them and that also goes with empathy which we were talking about earlier. Lauren and I, if you can't tell, we were just chatting up a storm before we started this podcast because I love to to just pick her brain and learn a little bit more about where her mind's at. But the empathy portion too, marketers don't want to have a bad conversation. They don't want to provide a bad experience and everyone knows what that is like. So being able to remove that feels really good. And you're also working towards your goal. So it's a win-win. I agree. I agree. Like when you see a bad conversation, you want to know why the AI model identified it wrong or what to do about it. Or you want to, you know, if you hear a lot of customers asking about a particular thing and AI is bubbling that up to you, like, hey, a bunch of people are asking this question. You don't have a topic for it. Do you want to add one? Like those, we're trying to think of those little granular jobs that AI can help do that just like put a marketer's mind at ease because ultimately it is about providing that better buyer experience and helping free up the humans on your team to spend more of their time on those decision stage conversations where you really do need to speak to a human. Yeah. And we've been talking a lot about marketing, but AI really is applicable to a lot of different types of roles. One of those being service, another being sales. How does AI help sales reps have better conversations? Great question. It all comes back to remembering context and a little bit of that reducing the mundane tasks. But if you think back to or think about a real pain point these days that we all feel in our jobs, it's how many people are involved in both sides of a B2B deal. From the early stages with a, even the marketing materials and the value props that have been created and those that early product development to then a customer speaking with a BDR through to an account executive and solutions consultants and an AM might take over the account after a decision and eventually a CSM or a renewal specialist and roles are switching all the time. And then on the buyer side, there's just as many, if not more stakeholders on that buying committee making a decision really hiring a product to get a job done. And so in an age where personalization matters or getting those questions or driving alignment, having that clear communication, um, it's important to have that context from past conversations at a glance summarized so that in that little bit of context switching you have to prep for a meeting, you can pick right up where you left off and then extend it through the life cycle. Net retention, we were talking at our customer advisory board, net retention matters more as the metric that like aligns a whole organization. And that happens when a customer gets what they bought. 
and gets more of what they bought. And it's provided the right maturity opportunities to grow with that product. So it's in an age where it's easier than ever to switch to a different solution if it solves your problem better and more internal champions leave for other roles. Like you need to make sure as a B2B business, you have that context from those early buying conversations to make sure that customers always at the center, full life cycle, solving the pain points that matter to them in the beginning. And if you had a crystal ball and you could see the future of artificial intelligence and what that looks like for salespeople and for marketers, what do you think that crystal ball would tell you? Hmm. Well, huh. Would it, what would it tell me? It would be something that takes it out of the black box. So it helped me trust the data. It would help me know why the machine made decisions that it did and how I could improve it. Whether I'm a marketer who wants to train a model to understand or respond differently, or if I'm a sales rep seeing content that I don't find irrelevant or a tag from a conversation that I feel like is inaccurate and I can give that feedback loop. It's helping everyone feel like they have a little bit of control and can customize the outcome. It's giving visibility. If you have like an engagement score, a lead score, it's like, okay, why is that? Why is it four flames? What are the factors that went into that? And then I also envision a world where we can all ask more questions and get answers that help us go, aha, like I get it now. I get what type, because then we can ask for the types of pain points we want to be solved with AI. I think today it's like very hand wavy what we hope AI could do for us. And if we got a little clearer on what it was and we as marketers and people who are building the products themselves got clear on what types of jobs AI does for us, then people feel more empowered to ask AI to do something for them. And it speeds up the the whole product development process too. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's, been a pleasure talking with you and I'm so glad that you are our first guest of season two. You're setting the bar very high and where can people connect with you to learn a little bit more about artificial intelligence? Yeah. LinkedIn, Lauren Creedon on LinkedIn, send me a message. We can talk about AI. We can talk about product. We can talk about anything, career stuff. I love to mentor women in product and help other people realize like you don't have to know a ton about AI to start learning and, and even get a job in it. So yeah, open door. Thank you so much, Lauren. You bet. Thanks, Sammy. You know, working at Drift and on the content team, I hear a lot about AI. I know it to an extent, but I really appreciate the way Lauren just broke that down in very clear steps. And especially when she talks about how AI isn't replacing humans and how it can be human and actually make marketing more human. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way that Lauren communicates and she talked about this a little bit on the episode, but communication and building trust is all about being able to break things down and speak simply about a topic. And I think she did just that. So I hope you learned a lot. And if you are looking to learn a little bit more about Drift and Drift's conversational AI, it is in the platform section on drift.com. And we will link that in the show notes. And we'll see you next week for another episode about how you can make sure that those first meeting conversations are personalized and efficient. Yes. Season one was all about starting a conversation. Season two, we're continuing it. So see you there. Thanks so much for listening to Conversation Starters. If you liked this episode, please leave us a six-star review by clicking the link in the show notes. And hit subscribe so you never miss another one. 
You can connect with me on Twitter at Sammy Reinstein and follow all of our shows at Drift Podcasts. 